0: Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Rickens on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
1: All right, folks, it's uh, Wednesday, October 12th. It is Drive Time, Lincoln. I am the host, Jack Riggins, Jack of all trade, master of none. Our guest is going to totally recognize that. Johnny Cadillac is producing the show. It is 61, feels like 62. Fire uh, warnings out there because of uh, the high wind and low, low humidity. Uh, other than that, it's a nice fall day. It's just windy. Um, hey, this show is going to be really exciting. It's not something here in the Midwest um, we're necessarily going to have on radio in lincoln nebraska uh, but we have a former teammate so to speak member of the brotherhood uh seal author actor uh a mentor for at-risk youth uh a man that fights veteran homelessness and his new endeavor of uh, directing the film the unexpected you can see it on youtube um, which is combating human trafficking uh, remy Adaleki. Welcome to Drive Time Lincoln.
0: Hey, thank you for having me on, brother. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing today?
1: Well, we're doing okay. I, it's like I said in the pre prep, um, don't get to talk to a lot of team guys, but um, if they're doing something good and I catch it, I absolutely love just reconnecting and hearing kind of the stories <laughs> post service. And to be honest, um, we are both alumni. <laughs> of The Best in the West, The Pride of the Pacific, SEAL Team 3. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you have gone on and just had a phenomenal story. <laughs> Obviously, your book, Transformed, um, talks about your life. And I guess I want to start there because the audience wouldn't exactly know you. We're pointing them to you now. And I'll start with the book and then move yeah. to you know, acting and directing this film about human trafficking.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um uh first off, thank you for having me on the show. It's always a blessing to be here to hang with another fellow frog man brother. <laughs> so and uh congrats to you on the show and all the great work you're doing, brother. Um as far as my story, I was actually born in uh born in Nigeria. My dad was a... Uh, very well-known and wealthy uh, engineer, ph- uh, philanthropist, businessman, multimillionaire. I mean, he was a uh, he was a jack of all trades, like uh, like we uh, call our fellow teammate brothers. And uh, uh, make a long story short, I was one. I, I kind of came along when my dad had all the wealth, and, uh, so I was born into the riches. We had cars, nannies, drivers, travel the world, ate at the finest restaurants. Uh, my dad would host lavish parties with dignitaries from all around the world and just lived a lavish life. But unfortunately, in 1987, the Nigerian government, uh, due to corruption, and more of the stories in my book, but they stripped my dad of, of all of his assets, his most valuable asset. And he died fighting the Nigerian government weeks later. So we went from rich, having absolutely everything to being poor. And my mom, being an American was just like there's no way I'm raising my kids here in Africa, so she permanently relocated my brother and I uh, from Nigeria to one of the toughest inner cities in America at the time, the Bronx. And uh, that was uh, that was the, that was my coming to America moment.
1: Wow. Um. You know, and you know this, having gone through our training. I mean, at the start of your life and that experience. Probably not necessarily something we'd say is an ideal candidate at that moment. Um, and your life might have been different, but your father really sacrifices, and then you come to America to one of our most, uh, you know, uh, challenging boroughs, if you will, and yeah. you know, make your way up, kind of through uh, just the American system. I suspect.
0: Yeah, you know, it, my, you know, I credit a lot of. How I got to where I ended up getting in the military to my mom, you know, she did a really good job of, you know, trying to mask the reality of what had happened to us and, uh, she would work multiple jobs to provide for us and and uh you know she she was she's all she was a model of perseverance people ask me all the time hey how did you get through SEAL training and, and get through all of the things that you've been through and i always say hey i credit it to my mom she was just she, i mean she's just an awesome woman and even now she's on social media she's 70 years old and she's a, <laughs> she's a fitness influencer on social media she's putting young people to shame you know doing push-ups pull-ups and all of that stuff but uh but yeah, man, uh I, I mean it's not having a father, I uh and I got to my my early teens, I started to seek out a father in the streets and uh street life, hip hop culture, rap culture and started out stealing from my mom, that progressed to stealing from stores, that progressed to stealing from jobs, that progressed to selling drugs, and then that progressed to running high-level stamps. And by the time I was 19, I had built a massive legal enterprise where I was bringing in thousands of dollars a week, and I was laundering the money through a, a record company that I had to have.
1: Well, basically, you're a great business and entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I harness
0: my dad's skills my my dad's skills that's the wrong way, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> so yeah. is it through that or some trouble that you start thinking about service and, and the Navy and SEAL team?
0: It was through trouble. You know, I ended up getting involved in a deal with a drug dealer it went bad. I sold the products that were supposed to last for a certain amount of time. Those products only lasted for a fraction of that time and uh he came knocking on my door and threatened my life and then directly threatened my mother's life and then at the same time, there were people who were doing the same thing I was doing, and they were getting caught, prosecuted, and sent to federal prison. So between those two situations, uh, you know, almost getting sent to federal prison and then almost getting killed, that's where I was like, hey, I need to walk away from this life and try something different. So that was that was December of 2001, so three months after 9-11. Fast forward to June of 2002, uh, that's when I, I finally made the decision to kind of get out of Get out of the Bronx by joining the military. And, uh, interestingly, when I went to go join the Navy, my, the recruiter discovered that I had two warrants out of my arrest. I didn't know I had warrants. I thought I had gotten away from all of the things that, you know, the other people who, you know, got caught doing. And, uh, uh, when she told me I had the warrants, I got up, got ready to run out of the recruiter's office. And, uh, she stopped me and essentially told me to come back the next day. I did. And she took me to both judges and advocated on my behalf. And then she told me, hey, this kid's trying to join a military after the act war 9-11 that happened and uh but well, he can't join the min- military with a criminal record so both judges unanimously expunged my record and uh then she went a step further fledged the paperwork to sneak me into the navy and that's that was kind of how i got into the navy it was uh it was a life of death or imprisonment. <laughs> wow.
1: Wow. You know, um, I, I always say that um, if you find yourself in SEAL training, uh, if you have a better place to go, you're going to go there. Uh, but for yeah. some of us, the drive or the external influences, um, it can it can turn your life around. Uh, we're on with uh, Remy Adaleke, if I said it right. I that is you. such I, an interesting I, I, name. I <laughs> You're, you're going to slap me around if I run into you at a reunion or something hey, you know like what, you that. Know, this, this will be easy. I'll tell you what it means. Adde means crown. Oh. Yoruba,
0: because I'm of the Yoruba tribe. And Lake means is supreme. So if you're having a hard time saying Addy Lakey, just call me the crown is supreme. Oh,
1: I like that better. The crown is supreme. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, hey, he's got a book out, Transformed, and he's got a, a, a now. Directorial debut with The Unexpected, where he is shedding the light on uh, human trafficking and organ harvesting. One of the things is okay, Navy SEAL, you know, served our country. What an experience. Kind of changed your life um, from the streets and, and a rough upbringing and losing your father. And then clearly, um, you get involved in, in what my guess would be some of our advising for some of the major motion pictures that are out there, but then kind of turn that into getting into acting and probably thinking about writing a book about your story which again transformed so lead us kind of through that up to the unexpected and then you know why that became your new kind of fight
0: yeah no absolutely when i got out you know i was uh it was a combination so i got out and i was still kind of seeking a way to serve i'm sure you can relate to that you know trying to find a different way to serve, you know, uh, and so, you know, I did different things. I went to prisons, <laughs> believe it or not, and spoke in prisons. And I, I went to inner city schools and, 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 you know, sat with kids and tried to mentor kids at inner city schools. As a matter of fact, I just opened up a, uh, a maritime charter school, in Michigan, um, which is open right now. We have, uh, about 70 kids enrolled in that school K through five. That's awesome. And, you know, I, just, I was just trying to find different ways to serve. And, uh, Fast forward to May, I got out January 2016 and May 2016 and got the call to work on Transformers. I was actually in grad school getting my master's in organizational strategy and, uh, a woman who, who works for Bay reached out and said, Hey, Bay's looking for somebody with your background. i be up in LA tomorrow to help, you know, work on this. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that one day turned into three weeks, and three weeks turned into six months. And I was on that film for six months, and you know, kind of doing a hybrid of acting but also consulting on it. And then uh, after I got off the of Transformer, I just started getting other opportunities. You know, I did two commercials with Peter Berg, and then um, I did some work on Steel Team CBS, and then I was uh, asked to. Michael Bay reached back out to me to, to to work on Six Underground. And then, you know, around that time is when I wrote my book. I didn't have a ghostwriter or co-writer. I wrote it all myself, thanks to Level 2. Right, <laughs> right, right. You, you know what I'm talking <laughs> Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Uh, and and then uh, that's when I was like, you know, I, I would get screenplays. Uh, for films that I was asked to consult on and I was asked to, you know, read the screenplays and get notes on them. I would read some of these screenplays for these movies and TV shows. And I was just like, this, this, this is subpar, <laughs> like, you know, this is like <laughs> not a good writing. Like, how did this movie get made? And in my mind, I was like, you know, somebody can write this and it get turned into a hundred million dollar movie, then I could surely write a screenplay. So I essentially taught myself how to write screenplays. Uh, and then I, I wrote my first screenplay chameleon That's that screenplay is actually um, set up with a, with a big producer studio now. And that screenplay ended up turning into a three book deal. So I wrote the f- book one of that. I just turned that in. And then, as the more I wrote, the more I was like, all right, now the next step after writing a screenplay is getting it made and -hmm. and you need a director to get it made and uh and when we were shopping one of the projects that i had written like there were directors that were being thrown my way and i was just like no i don't want that director. that director is not right for it and it was always like well this director is available and that's why i was like well i can direct i've consulted on 100 million dollar films and 100 million dollar tv shows like like I'd like an opportunity to be able to direct it and everybody said, no, well, you haven't directed anything. So that's kind of where I was like, all right, my main focus is to become a writer director. And so how do I do that? Now I'll rewind as to how I got to the human trafficking side of things and that'll merge with how I ended up directing unexpected. Um, Around 2018, right before I was about to work on Six Underground, I, well, actually, like as I said, when I got out, I worked with different nonprofits. One of sure. the type of nonprofit that kept on reaching out to me was human trafficking nonprofits. I never heard of human trafficking. I didn't know what it was. But in 2016, a, a nonprofit called Without Permission reached out to me, asked me to help volunteer with a rally that they were doing up in Sacramento because there's a huge human trafficking issue problem out there. I went out there and helped out. And then a year later, Lindsay Snyder, I believe her last name is, she's the founder, She's the owner of In-N-Out Burger. And uh, she has a human trafficking nonprofit called Slade. I helped out with a charity bowling game one year. I did that. just kept on happening. Nonprofits just kept on reaching out to me. And then I was contacted by this one nonprofit that employs former soft and and, and agency guys to go into other countries to actually do missions, rescue people who are trapped in human trafficking, specifically kids, and uh, also arrest Americans who go into these other countries to get services from human trafficking victims, which is very, very the profile for, uh, for people who travel abroad to have sex with underage kids are Americans, which the majority of the profile is and uh and so i did that and i remember we were down in dr on a on a deployment once and uh, i was in this particular slum where the parents would sell their children to traffickers uh and the traffickers would take their, their daughters specifically to the northern part of dr for men to come have sex with them and as a parent myself i couldn't under i couldn't fathom the idea of selling my child um you know to somebody so that that person my child could be raped you know for right. money um, and uh, I just remember walking through this slum like completely perplexed and uh, w- one of the liaisons recognized how you know how just perturbed I was and he pulled me into this chapel which was no bigger than the size of three toilet stalls and, and, and at the end of the chapel was a six month old dead baby in a casket and he explained to me that the baby died because the mother uh, she did, wasn't eating enough and so her breast milk dried up so she, she got formula and mixed the formula with the local water and in this particular slum you're not supposed to drink the water and that can ultimately killed the baby so he was using that as a teachable moment for me to help me to understand why the parents in this particular slum did that and it was because they're so desperate you know you got right. either you sell your daughter and have food and water for the rest of your kids or you don't know your kids die. now that doesn't justify it and it didn't make me say, "Oh, I hundred percent get it. And I'm on board with that." But it did give me some level of understanding, and, and what it led to was that these people are desperate, you know. And when you look at human trafficking cases, especially with victims, uh, uh, and even, and even you know the the recipients, the people who pay for these services, it all comes down to desperation. A lot of desperation, even with the traffickers. And so, when I got back from that particular trip in DR, I had landed in in, in, in Port in uh, Florida. And I had a voicemail from Michael Bay's producing partner. And he was like, hey, where have you been? We've been trying to look for you because Michael Bay started his next movie, Six Underground. And he would like for you to be the lead consultant on it. And it was like in that moment that these two worlds collided, this human trafficking world, but then also this film and TV world. And in my mind, I was just like, why don't I combine them both and have a bigger impact? Because most people won't read New York news articles or do the research about human trafficking, but a lot of people will watch a film or a TV series. And, you know, when we go overseas, one of the things that we try to do, not us, but like units that we work with is win the hearts and minds through psyops and simple mm-hmm. affairs, you know, rebuilding a school or handing out soccer balls or giving money to certain, so that so that the town or the village or whoever we're working with will, will be on our side and help us find the bad guys. And so I figured, why don't I conduct a psyops operation with this film? by creating it, putting it out in the world so that people can see it and be conscious of the realities of human trafficking and then get involved in some way, even if it's as simple as going on a human trafficking website and learning the signs of a, and symptoms of a, uh, of a traffic victim and then being able to do something about it. So, so fast forward, you know, I, I did the movie with Michael Bay out in in Italy and then I got back and I wrote a treatment for a TV series that didn't get picked up a year went by and I wrote it as a short film and, a 32-minute short film, and that's what we're talking about today. Sorry for the long-winded answer. No,
1: you're good. Um, Remy, first of all, for the audience, um, (laughs) I mean, first of all, I love this Crown Supreme. Um, And for the audience, you know, retired (laughs) SEAL, author, actor, director, and we're going to talk all second segment about his new movie, The Unexpected, about human trafficking, and he's just getting into it. But um, I think people are probably getting a sense of what you and I know to be kind of, I guess our culture, our breed is, I mean, the energy and the passion that you have to attack something else, not just up in Hollywood, but now to turn your energy, your passion, um, your knowledge from a bunch of different things from your time with your mother and father in Africa to the Bronx to seal team. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. And, um, And I can't wait to spend the whole second segment talking about the unexpected and and kind of your vision there, because I appreciate it. So I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll come right back. Yeah. All right, brother. All right. KLIN, 1,499.3.
0: You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1,499.3 KLIN.
1: All right, folks, uh, kind of a special edition of Drive Time Lincoln, uh, still Jack Riggins, Johnny Cadillac still producing the show. Uh, we got uh, Remy still on the line. He's going to be on the entire show. Um, wow. Um, I already said it off air, but you know your story thus far is, is fascinating in your energy um, and I think really opens the eye to you know what you can become in america and um obviously service to our country um but i want to go back real quick um you mentioned level two so you the audience yeah. would not know you have a subspecialty <laughs> in human intelligence yeah.
0: yeah yeah so in every field team uh platoon, platoon excuse me you have guys with different jobs you know you have a preacher you have snipers you have medics you have you know uh Uh, point, man, you you know, OIC, LPO, all these different jobs, a specialty that is not often talked about is human, which is human intelligence, and these are guys who, uh, you know, you learn how to run sources, you learn uh, a certain level of tradecraft, you're essentially an intelligence guy, you know, you're the intelligence arm of your platoon, and, you know, it's not like in the movies where you get information and you go kick down a door, like, uh, you have the, like part of going on a mission is vetting that information and and collecting and vetting that information against other sources rather than against other modes of uh, collecting intelligence and so on and so forth and so that was part of my background, yeah uh, was and and uh that uh, was being a human guy well and, uh, does that explain it i'll let you i'll let you die well i, I bring <laughs> it
1: i bring it up because you clearly yeah. have to write big time in in that program and you know the fact that yeah. you've gone on and you're writing and we're going to get when we come back here in, a, in uh, a couple of minutes uh we'll talk more about the unexpected all righty klin 14993. Yeah. 3 don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket
0: Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
1: All right, folks. uh, It definitely is still Wednesday, October 12th. 62, feels like 63. The fire warning's still out there because of uh, high winds and absolute low humidity. Uh, So be careful. Programming note before we get back to our guest, uh, Remy. Um, On Friday, we will have uh, Melody... Melanie Standiford on Um, she's in Frontier County Um, she basically got fired for passing um, a petition around her church to try to make uh, Nebraska Curtis Nebraska a sanctuary city for the unborn interesting story I mean it never fails for me to see how much politics plays all around with our guests though there's not much politics involved in this it's either good versus evil we're on with uh Remy Crown Supreme why he was born into Nigerian royalty and uh his father was killed they moved to the Bronx he got in a lot of trouble then he went to SEAL team SEAL team served honorably and great like i said we're both uh, fraternity brothers of the great SEAL team 3 the best in the west the pride of the pacific but he's moved on He's not only Navy SEAL, but he's author, actor, and now director of the short film The Unexpected, which is all about human trafficking and organ harvesting. Remy, welcome back.
0: Hey, thanks for having me back.
1: back. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think to the audience here in the Midwest, your story is fascinating. I know that uh, you're real humble about it, and and we both served with a lot of people that have overcome a lot of things. And and that's just not in SEAL Team. That's in the military in general. But um, you did a great job breaking down, you know. Your journey, your story, SEAL Team, and kind of how you got into Hollywood, and then you know your skill sets of writing and passion, and then kind of starting to work for nonprofits in the human smuggling trafficking, and then using your connections and writing, and then we get to, boom! I'm gonna I'm gonna just make my own film.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's kind of how it all came together. It was, you know, I just needed to figure out a way to shout out this message you know um as i mentioned earlier a lot of people won't read news articles or do the research about it and you know a lot of people as we talk about off the air just stick their head in the sand when it comes to this topic of and i hate to even use the word human trafficking because i think that's more of a pc word i like the word modern slavery because at the end of the day that's what it is it's
1: yeah that's fair that is absolutely yeah. slavery
0: absolutely absolutely so, you know, I started, the journey wasn't easy. You know, after I got off of uh, Six Underground, which was a Netflix film, I uh, wrote a treatment, tried to get that picked up as a TV series. That didn't work out. And then about a year went by, and that's when I wrote what's now the short film. And it was just one day I was like, you know, enough is enough. I have to do it. I can't wait for somebody to give me permission. I can't wait for somebody to give me the money to make this film. I just need to do it myself. And, you know, I put up $150,000 of my own money, uh, you know, I was able to get about twenty-five to 30000 from somebody else, and that money was used to, to make this movie. And it's, a, it's based on true events, and it's nothing really fictitious about it. It's, I don't want to give away too much, but there was an event that took place August 3rd of 2014, a modern genocide, U.S. Congress. Recognize it as a genocide and the un even recognized it as a genocide i won't give away what it is because it'll spoil the ending of the film for you but um part of part of the genocide the men were slaughtered uh and the women and and girls were enslaved some were used for sex trafficking some were used for forced labor some were used for organ harvesting and uh, now that i bring that up i want to touch on a quick topic as it relates to human trafficking because when people hear the word human trafficking they automatically and only think of sex trafficking Yes. Um, that's not the case. There are multiple facets of human trafficking. Sex trafficking is just one of them. Organ harvesting which the film focused on. Forced marriage, labor. Uh, 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 I interviewed a guy about a month ago who was lured from Venezuela to Mexico with a promise of being smuggled across the border into the U.S. Instead, he was abducted uh, and put in a house with 100 other migrants who were promised to, to be smuggled into the U.S. And the kids were used for drug trafficking. They were essentially used as mules to sneak drugs to go through the pipe into America and move drugs into the U.S. There was a recent story that came out this year of a guy who in Cambodia who was abducted and he was blood trafficked. Uh, This gang hooked him up, pod strapped him down, and they just kept on drawing his blood, using his blood for who knows what. So there are multiple facets of human trafficking. So don't just think, sex trafficking when you hear human trafficking. Think of all the other facets of it as well. But back to the film, the film focuses really on organ harvesting, which is something that is very prevalent in the world globally, but it's not talked about. And I think it's not talked about because of two reasons. One, I think it's so horrific that people don't want to talk about it. And and two, I think there's been a lot of live tales. You see a lot of horror films and, and thrillers of people getting their organs taken that, it almost becomes unbelievable, right? But it it it, it it's it, there's so many open source articles of this happening. As a matter of fact, Egypt is considered the organ harvesting capital of the world. <laughs> so, uh, and that's something that most people don't know. India is, is well known for organ harvesting. Africa, there's a lot of places in Africa. Are harvesting. There's organ harvesting in South America. There's actually a story that came out. I want to say a few years ago of a uh, Israeli uh, a doctor who was brokering kidney deals in Costa Rica. So if an Israeli needed a new kidney, um, he would find a kidney in Costa Rica. Well, the person who was typically the victim was a poor person in Costa Rica. He would find them and get, offer them pennies for a kidney, and then he would fly out the, uh, the Israeli who needed the match and perform the surgery. So this is something that's just well, well known throughout. Uh, well, not well known, but this is that's happening globally, but that's not often talked about.
1: You know, and because of your time—not just in SEAL Team, but in Hollywood—do you think as Americans, because a lot of those topics we see in major motion pictures, and they're just you know, oh, part of a horror story, but we have some cognitive dissonance to the realities of what are going on in these other continents, and even here in America with with this subject.
0: Yeah, I know, a hundred percent. I think I think it's like I said. I think it's it's, it's a lot of people are just like and. Part of it has also been politicized as well, you know what i mean so 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 it's, its and it's such a polarizing topic, sure, right, so I just think that what it boils down to is you got people who don't want to believe that it happens or you got people who hear that it happens, but they say, oh, that's fiction, that's fictitious mm-hmm. there's no way that that can happen if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of good versus evil. Um, you know, slavery is evil, you know, the different sex trafficking, you know, uh, organ harvesting labor, you know, it's just evil and it is out there. And, and so you've decided to shed light. I mean, you put your personal wealth, uh, decide I've written a story and you know, you've got it basically on YouTube. The unexpected film, um, is, is where people can find it. Um, What has the feedback been so far?
0: The feedback has been fantastic. I mean, all you have to do is, uh, and I encourage everybody to go watch the film. As you mentioned, it's free. I had an opportunity to sell a film uh, to a distributor where people would have to pay to watch it, but I decided I didn't want it against that because I wanted as many people to be able to see this as possible. But the feedback has been fantastic. Again, if you go on YouTube and read the comments, there's not one negative comment about the film. And most of the comments are like, wow, I didn't know this happened. Yeah right and and a lot of people thanking me for making the film because now they're aware and people were like i didn't believe that this happens but you know i can see how this can happen um so you know it's the feedback has been it's, it's been fantastic and it's been exactly what i wanted it to be uh, you know i made the film in order to make people feel something I think every true storyteller whether you're making a movie whether you're writing a script whether you're writing a book whatever it is that you're doing your job is to make the reader or audience feel something. And, and, and part of the response that I'm getting from people who watch it is I feel something. I feel for the victim in this film and I feel that now that I'm aware, I have to do something. And that's another piece of feedback I'm getting I love is the fact that it's galvanizing people to do something. And at the end of the day, again, that was the main point of my film, is to be a call to action. And as I said earlier, it could be as simple as, hey, you know what, I'm going to go on a human trafficking website now that I've seen this film, and I'm just going to take a class on recognizing the signs of a traffic victim. There's a story uh, out of Atlanta with uh, a Delta uh, flight attendant. She had just went online and taken a class on recognizing the signs of a traffic victim. She was on a flight. She saw a kid who was presenting all of those signs. That kid was with an adult. She could have easily said, you know what, Uh, I'm not going to say anything because that could be that kid's parent, but she didn't. She called ahead to the next state the the plane flight was landing in, and she alerted the authorities. Come to find out, she was 100% right. That kid had been abducted and was being moved to another state, and she saved that child's life by going on a website and learning the signs of a traffic victim and doing something about it. So that's one thing people could do. If people feel the need to donate. That's another thing they could do. If they want to donate to a nonprofit. But I always say this research the nonprofits that you're going to donate to and give to, because there are a lot of human trafficking nonprofits out there that it's all about marketing and branding. They get they, they take the money, ninety percent of that money goes into their pockets, maybe ten percent of that money goes to actually doing the work. So you really gotta do your research and find the right nonprofit to get in bed with and partner with, because there's a lot of shady nonprofits out there that's just doing it to make a buck. Another thing you could do is, you, if you have skill sets like special operations or even in military, or maybe you're good with counseling, or maybe you're good at cyber. Loan those 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 gifts that you have to a human trafficking nonprofit. Whether it's maybe going overseas and helping out with a raid, or helping to train uh, uh, local police in other countries so that they know how to tactically carry out an operation. If you're good with cyber, maybe it's going on a dark web and using those skill sets to help expose human trafficking rates. If you're good at counseling, maybe it's partnering with a human trafficking nonprofit, working in their aftercare uh, 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 programs because there's a lot of victims after they've been rescued, they need counseling. They need they need care afterwards. So the film is meant to be a call to action and and, and some a lot of people who I've watched are telling me, Hey, I'm gonna do something now and uh, my hopes is that more people watch it and then feel feel the need or galvanize or motivated to do something
1: well i i think you're absolutely right uh the comments so far are unbelievable and clearly this is just the first step you know quote unquote uh and uh there's more to come but um i'll tell you what i mean for me just parents being aware of the realities out there and then you know for your local towns your local societies right and then you know as it Goes bigger into the national and international stage. I think that, you know, again, the more we shed light and the more we're educated, I hate to say it's like G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. And yep,
0: uh yep, yep. <laughs> and
1: and you have created, you know, a piece of art, if you will, uh with the unexpected that does move people. And uh it's yeah. phenomenal. I mean I'm I'm happy for you, but I'm I'm more happy that you have a mission and a passion. And and so I suspect where can people find you on social and websites, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera?
0: Yeah, it's pretty simple. I have a unique name, Remy R E M I Adelaide A B E L E K E. So you can find me on Every platform, Instagram is same thing. Remy Adelaide, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, uh, YouTube. My YouTube channel where the film is on is under Remy Adelaide, so it's, it's easy to find me. My Facebook is Eighth Wonder Entertainment, which is my production company. But everything else is just Remy Adelaide.
1: Adelaide, but I like Crown Supreme. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> transformed your book that's uh, i assume all about your journey you know kind of the first segment of the show that we covered kind of from youth yeah. on up through the bronx you know to seal team yeah. and then you know to hollywood um where can yeah. people find uh transformed
0: uh you can find it wherever books are sold amazon barnes and Noble, uh books a million wherever books are still. apple books you know it's on audio as well i, I read the audio so you can hear my voice for 16 hours to go that route. So wherever book are still Kindle, everywhere.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, am obviously getting a lot of awesome pictures of you here. Uh, you know, they say I've got a face for radio, but you've got a you've got a face and a voice for whatever you want to do. And the story to back yeah, it up. You, <laughs> you, what, what's next? You, tell me what's next without giving anything away
0: for what's you, next, uh, for,
1: for the mission. Yeah, yeah.
0: For the, for the mission, you know, um, the, is continuing to push this, this film out, continue to push this short film out for so the more people to be aware. That's the that's the mission right now, and, I, and I'm grateful to, uh, to you for having me on your platform because this helps further a mission to get the word out about the about short films so people can go watch and get educated. That's my primary focus. Um, I've heard people say to me over the years, "Hey, you know," and this is people from all kinds of different backgrounds. If I lived in the 1800s when slavery was prevalent in America, I'd do everything to end it. I Fight slave masters. I'd hide (laughs) slaves. I'd fight, I'll die fighting against slavery. I hear this all the time. And my message to all those people who have said that or thought that is hey, guess what? Slavery is as alive today as it was in the 1800s. And you have the opportunity to do something. It's a $32 billion industry here in the U.S., it's a $150 billion industry globally. So guess what? there's more than enough work for you to do. So if you would really do something, if you feel like you would really do something back in the 1800s, guess what? You have the opportunity to do it now and in a bigger way. So that's my challenge to you. First things first, go watch that film, share the link, text it, email it. Um, I don't get paid for views or anything. I'm not making, I've lost money making this film. I didn't make this film to make money. I made this film to get the message out. So if you could, if you could pass that on, and, and, and share it with others and, and share it on social media. Social media hasn't been as friendly because of the subject matter and how polarizing it is. You know, it, 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 It's depressed when you share the link on social media, but I'm still encouraging people to do so um, uh, or maybe even do a video message that's better than sharing the link sometimes. Um, but, uh, yeah, share that link. Get that message out because that's the mission. That's what the film was made for.
1: Yeah and we're we're trying I'll tell you I'm getting a lot of great fat feedback on our text line and people here in the Midwest you know w- waking up to this again I I yeah. think people know it's out there but they they just need kind of that call to action that, that you've done in the unexpected. Um, man, I can't thank you enough. I'll tell you what, I, I miss just your personal passion, but team guys in general, such an honor to, uh, serve alongside guys like you and, and to lead, if you will. Although I don't know how good a job I did, but good enough, I guess, for the government. <laughs> I'm sure you did great. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this is just phenomenal. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, Always, if you've got anything and want to get it out in the Midwest, uh, please give me a shout. Um, we want to continue right. and and people go follow Remy. I mean, he is just a phenomenal American story, you know, really immigrant story, so to speak, even though you're probably dual yeah. citizen. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, serving the country and I guess... You know, what you're doing in your passion. I have to ask you, what was yeah. the defining moment? Cause you saw a lot as a youngster in Africa. Yeah, you yeah. saw yeah, a lot and got yourself into a lot in the Bronx. And then SEAL team shows you a, a lot in the world. But what triggered you big time for this, you know, topic?
0: Uh, what triggered me? Well, first thing I'll say, I was born an American citizen abroad. I, I there you I, go, there I, you I, go. I didn't have field citizens. I'm American through and through. And I'm proud to be an American, man. Uh, but uh, I, I say what triggered me was that trip down to Dominican Republic. Yeah, you know when I when I was boots on the ground in the country, uh, doing the you know the counter human trafficking work, so to speak, and. And I was just encountered with a hard truth, yeah, and I was able to see victims, um poor children, um, I was able to see parents and, and and just see things that really makes you want to you know pick up every machine gun and go to war <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, I just felt helpless you know and, and that's a hard feeling when you know how it is you're a yeah. warrior, you know I'm a warrior. You know, there's a lot of people out who are listening who have that warrior spirit, and you see things that just break your heart, and, and you just you just want to do something, and uh, and that was the turning point for me when yeah. I saw it firsthand with my eyes, and and I just felt helpless, you know, and yeah. even now, you know, I hear stories sometimes. There's a recent story that came out of um, out of Dallas, Texas. A girl goes to a, a Dallas Mavericks playoff game with her with her dad, and she disappears. Um. Long story short, the police write it off as a runaway, and she had essentially been abducted at the Dallas Mavericks playoff game. Uh. And uh, uh, they her her parents partnered with the human trafficking nonprofit that was run by veterans, and they found her on the dark web. She, her profile of her was on the dark web. She was being sold for sex. Hmm. And a sting was set up and, uh, with, uh, with the local police and that house was raided. She was rescued. Some of the traffickers that rescued her, some who abducted her, excuse me, were at the Ma- Dallas Mavericks playoff game that day. Wow. And so, you know, I say that to say, you know, even when I read articles like that, you know, I feel helpless. I, yeah. You know, when I, when I saw, uh, thank you, brother. God bless you guys. God All bless right. You.
1: Thank you, 1,499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, a uh, little short segment here. We'll see you tomorrow. Talkative Thursday, KLIN, Fourteen hundred ninety nine.